Now, when you walked in uh, today in your program, you should have received some 3D glasses. So pull those out of your program. If you did not get one, just raise your hand and uh, one of our greeters will get that for you. You need these, though. So just raise your hand up. There's some over here so uh, people can pass those out real quick. And I'll talk a little bit, but just keep your hands up. So uh, people love 3D movies. They love 3D videos. Uh, They love all kinds of uh, 3D things because uh, 3D is better than 2D. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, With 3D, my kids do this all the time. Uh, You know, it feels like it's like right in front of your face. And so then you're trying to touch something. When we've gone to uh, Disney before, uh, they have a Donald Duck uh, 3D video, and, and they always feel like he's right there. And uh, so uh, everyone loves 3D. So what I'd like to do is have you look at a couple of pictures, first of all, in 2D. So take your glasses off, okay? Now, here's a picture. Now, go ahead, put your glasses on real quick. And what you'll notice there is it's as if the the flower is kind of bursting out uh, in front of you, okay? So take your glasses off here again, and then you can see the Grand Canyon 2D, but if you put your glasses on, there we go, we have 3D, it's much more of a grander kind of vision. And then let's go ahead, uh, Derek and I, right there. Okay, that's good, but it's better in 3D. Uh, Anytime you hit Derek is always better in 3D. Um, So then let's go uh, to one more. Here's some fish here, and uh, you can see it in 2D, but if you put your glasses on, uh, leave your glasses on for a second, and you can see it's as if uh, the fish are right there uh, going. And so I didn't do this in the first celebration. I'm taking all of your pictures right now because uh, I think it's cool. Okay. How many churches today had 3D glasses on? All right. Well, hey, the reason I share all of this is because God doesn't want you to just exist in 2D. He does have something much more for your life to live in 3D, something that's fuller, something that is a grander vision kind of living. And it's so important for us to understand that. How do we live in the fullness of life? A few years ago, my wife Jennifer and I, uh, before kids, seems like we went to a lot more places before kids. I don't know what it is. But before kids, uh, we went to the Virgin Islands, just the two of us, and we went to Trunk Bay, which is considered one of uh, the most beautiful beaches in the world. It was ranked in the top seven. Now, since the hurricane came, things have changed, but the moment that we went, it was wonderful. And one of the things that they have at Trunk Bay is a snorkeling uh, kind of uh, trip that you take. And so uh, we put on our snorkel gear, and uh, there's me. Okay, that's not very beautiful, but let's go to Trunk Bay, okay? Next picture, there we go. That's Trunk Bay right there. It's not in 3D, so if you're trying it, it's not going to work. But it's gorgeous, and it's amazing, and it's so beautiful. And when we went snorkeling, 
It was a very, very calm day. It was very peaceful. The water was just still. And as we were going out into uh, the ocean, uh, it was just wonderful. But the whole point of snorkeling, folks, is not to keep your head above water and see everything that's above you, but it's to actually get your head into the water so that you can see the amazing activity that is taking place underneath water. And there were all of these fish and coral reef, and you could just see everything. You could see the bottom of the ocean floor, and it was an amazing kind of experience. And I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments before in life where all of a sudden it's just like time stops and you are experiencing the fullness of life. And I was in that moment, but I'm not a very good snorkel person, and Jennifer's really good, but I started choking on water. So I had to go back up to the surface, and so I get back up to the surface, and I look at everything, and it just uh, looked dull. And there was nothing that was very active. And this is one of the seven most beautiful beaches in the world, but it just felt dull. And all of a sudden, it hit me. Why I was there was to be a part of the activity that was underneath me, not on the surface. And so I put my head back down and I was able to see the fullness of what was going on in the ocean. I have a feeling that for some of you, you are living a life right now that is just on the surface. You're just seeing things in 2D going through life, and God is like saying, hey, I want you to put your head in the water, and I want you to see the fullness of your environment. And the question is, will you do that? Will you live a grander vision than what you're living today? Now, the best example for this kind of grander vision living that I want to talk about today is found in Luke chapter 5, and we're told this story, and it'll come up on the side screens, and I'll invite you to follow along with me. Once, when Jesus was standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, the crowd was pushing in on him to better hear the word of God. He noticed two boats tied up. The fishermen had just left them and were out scrubbing their nets. He climbed into the boat that was Simon's, that's Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Sitting there using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the people. When he finished teaching, he said to Simon, push out into the deep water and let your nets out for a catch. And Simon said, Master, we've been out fishing all night long and haven't caught even a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let out the nets. So if you've ever fished before, you know that what gets really frustrating is if you go out and you spend a whole day and you don't even get a minnow. And so these guys are frustrated. They're upset. But Peter's like... Okay, if you want me to do it, I guess I will. And so he's not expecting anything, but he goes out not expecting anything at all. He throws it out, and the Scripture says, No sooner had he said that than a huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. They 
waved to their partners in the other boat. So this is such a, think about that. If you're a fisherman, you've got so many fish now that you've got to call out to another boat to help you. And they call them out to come and they filled both boats nearly swamping them to the catch. Simon Peter, when he saw it, he fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave. I'm a sinner. I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. You see, because Peter knew something in that moment. What he realized was that the reason they had such a huge catch was not because of their fishing expertise. They were looking at life at a two-day kind of, or a 2D kind of look. But when Jesus showed up, all of a sudden the fullness of life comes in 3D. When they pulled in that catch, awe overwhelmed Simon and everyone with him. It was the same with James and John, Zebedee's sons, co-workers with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, there is nothing to fear. From now on, you'll be fishing for men and women. They pulled their boats up on the beach, left them nets and all, and followed Jesus. I love this story. Think about it. It's like, here they are, and they get the mother load catch. A monstrous fish kind of catch. They're all right there in front of them. And they're so elated and they're excited. And they'd never seen a catch like this. They'd been fishermen their whole lives. Their dads were fishermen. Their granddads, their great-granddads, they had seen all of this. But now it's like the nets are ready to burst. They're sinking. They had to call other boats in. And I have a feeling when all of this is going on, Jesus is sitting back and he just starts chuckling a little bit. You guys, he goes, you guys are excited, aren't you? Like, you're really excited. You're like, yeah, man, look at this. Jesus, give me a high five. Yeah. We're going to be eating good. We're going to be living high. And then Jesus is like, guys, 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 guys. You think that's something. You think that's something? Just to catch some of these smelly, stinky, scaly, slimy, kind of fish i mean fish are important i know they're part of your lifestyle that's great but instead of netting some dollars and some fish how about landing some destinies because that's where the action is then jesus got their attention and he looks at him and he says john james peter andrew you're pretty excited about these six inches, aren't you? But I'm going to show you how to go for six footers. I'm going to show you how not to just worry about the fish. I'm going to show you how to fish for people. Come with me. And we'll live life to the fullest, not in 2D but in 3D. And the scripture says that they left their nets and they followed him. They left everything they had to go and to follow him. Friends, from the moment that Jesus Christ first arrived on planet Earth, he's always been about 
constantly asking people to fish for people. Not just fishermen, but factory workers, hairstylists, Walmart workers, nurses, teachers, accountants, McDonald's workers, doctors, businesswomen, businessmen, heating and cooling people, people who work on construction sites, stay-at-home parents, and unemployed folks, and all the rest. He's been asking this question, are you just going to be satisfied with investing your life into your workplace and making more money and getting more things and going after fishing uh, expeditions? Or will you go after the greatest thing that this world has ever known in life, and that is relationships? Because, folks, everything in this world is temporary except people. Everything is temporary except people. There is nothing on this side of heaven that we're guaranteed will be in the next life except people. And so you must then, your first fill in the blank, is to make people the priority. If you want to live a grander vision kind of lifestyle, you must make people The priority. When it comes right down to it, folks, life is all about people. People matter to God. And if people matter to God, then they must matter to you. In grander vision living, the priority is always people. And Jesus desires that we prioritize people above everything else. That's what we've been learning in this series, Walk This Way. We've been talking about the fact that... It's more important for you to get out of your circle of comfort and you walk across the room or you walk across your street to invest in people. That caring for other people is more important than always making sure that you get all your needs met. Having sort of a radical inclusiveness and love for other people. People that look different than you, that talk different than you, that act different than you, and that vote different than you. When I said that this morning, some guy came up to the stage and almost took me out. (laughs) That's what I love about our church. We have some people that may be the most liberal in the world, and we have some people that are most conservative in the world. But this is the truth, folks. It's all about people, regardless of where you're at on the political spectrum. It is about people. Jesus died for people, and people, more than politics, must be the priority. It's always about people. Friends, the big fish... That opportunity awaits us all. So the question is, will you just keep taking your little fishing pool and fishing away? Or will you give of your one and only life to fish for men and women? Folks, Jesus makes it very crystal clear the path that he thought was better when he said these words. You should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do and will praise your Father in heaven. Friends, your light, 
your life is either going to shine on people's lives that will direct them toward your heavenly Father, or you will keep the light to yourself and you will hide it away and you will deny the people around you that you care for the most the opportunity for them to experience the love of God. But Jesus' greatest desire is that you would build relationships with people and respect people and respond to people and embrace people and prioritize people in such a way that they would one day turn their eyes towards the Father. Now, there are very few people that I know who make others a priority more than my good friend Sarah Jones. From the very beginning of of knowing her, she's always made people a priority. And once she came to Christ, she kind of accelerated that to make that happen. And so I'd like you to just look at a video of a friend that she reached out to named Marie. Let's check this out. So I'm Sarah. I'm Marie. And we met because our daughters were in the same kindergarten class and were like instant friends. Yeah. And so were we, basically. Yeah. I don't remember exactly the first time Sarah invited me to church, but I do remember, um, I think at that point in my life, I was actually attending a different church. I was kind of slowly fading away from that. so in my mind, when she invited me, I think, you know, I appreciated her inviting me. Um, but, you know, I was like, what, you know, keep asking me. Probably not this time, but keep asking. And Sarah's persistence in asking me more than once, to me, I felt glad that someone's reaching out because it showed me that someone cared about me enough to ask me more than one time. Because um, I think she could sense that I was interested, but it just wasn't the right time. So she just would every once in a while try. And I think that that helped me feel like I knew where to go when I was ready to go to church with her. So I knew I could bring it. It gave me a freedom to bring it up if I wanted to. Um, and it gave me a resource, a way to get connected to a church. Um, but I appreciated the way that she did it. It was It was really natural. It was very kind. And... It wasn't annoying. So even though I said no, I wasn't like irritated or anything. It just, and I think too, it's important um, to note that we had a relationship already. We were becoming friends. And so it was kind of a natural thing to do to invite your friend to church, especially when you kind of just feel like it's a natural part of what you talk about in your conversation. Then it's not hard to just say, hey, you should come with us to church on Sunday. Yeah. And I think that's even maybe how you phrased it a couple times, you know, not, yeah, would you please come with me to church, you know, with this big scary, like, right. and now I'm going to awkwardly insert this into the middle of a conversation about something totally right. not applicable. So, I mean, you waited for an appropriate time, so I wasn't weirded out. It was really comfortable and natural. And... For me personally, I feel like I've been impacted um, by having an invitation and accepting it and coming to the jar and getting connected um, at a church where I feel like um, really seeks after Jesus and to show his love to the community has been really impactful in my life Um, because 
where I was at was I was a Christian, but I wasn't connected at the time very well, and I was looking for a deeper connection. So I feel like it's given me the encouragement and inspiration to keep walking with God, um, because it's a, it's a hard thing to walk with God by yourself without a community. So. Um, also, my children have been pretty impacted. They've gotten involved with the children's ministry, and um, my daughter actually got baptized. And also, my son Grayson has been impacted. He's gotten connected to the Impact Community, which is the youth group here, which I love. And he's actually invited friends to church, so he's had two friends that have never been in a church ever, um, and they've come to church. So I feel like uh, God is using started with one invitation that Sarah gave me and um, has kind of used that to trickle through our family to reach out um, to other children in the community. So that's been quite a blessing. You know, I, I love that story. And the reason I think I love it is because it started with just a walk to connect with her daughter's friend's mom. It wasn't some super spiritual or religious thing that Sarah did. She just walked to invest in a friend uh, of one of her kids. And then the, the multiplying effect or the domino effect, you, you saw that her, her son, Marie's son, Grayson, then, then invited a couple of friends who had never been to church before, their first experience, and he's in middle school. And this is what I want you guys to understand today. When it comes to this whole inviting thing, you know why it's so important? Because I can think of at least two friends that my daughter Shiloh has, who when Shiloh talked about Jesus, and she's in second grade, they had no idea who Jesus was. They had no idea what that name was. And so, folks, this is why it's important. This is why you invest in all of those families that are connected with your kids. This is why you invest in the kids that are around your neighborhood. Because some of them are going through life so fast that they have no foundation that will be there for them later in life. And... Sarah realized this and she was like, I don't have to be a superstar. I don't have to be a spiritual, religious superstar. I can just walk across rooms and God can show up and things can take place. And the simple thing that you have to do is just say, God, I'm available. Each morning when I get up, that's one of my prayers. I go, God, I'm available for whatever you want to do today. And if you want to interrupt my life, and that's why many of us don't reach out to other people, because we don't like interruptions. But I'll, I'll, I'll often pray, God, even if you want to interrupt my life, I'm open to it to see what you would do. You see, when Jesus gave that passage of scripture that we just read earlier, when he said, let your light shine before others, he said, let, what's the second word? Whose light? Your light. Not your spouse's light. Not your friend's light. Not your pastor's light. Not your small group leader's light. He said, let your light shine. 
Friends, grander vision living is all about accepting other people, caring for other people, serving other people, listening to other people, befriending other people, and prioritizing people all the time. So, we make people a priority. The second thing uh, that you can put in as your fill-in is you see potential in people. You make people a priority, and then you see potential in people. That's one of the things I love about Jesus, and that's why I follow him. And that's why he is Lord of my life. He controls my life because I love to see how he sees priority in people, but then he sees potential in people. When you think about the people that Jesus chose to be his disciples, they were not the type of people that you would have thought would have made much of a movement in the world. I mean, he didn't choose the most spiritual. He didn't choose the ones who had PhDs with religious degrees. Jesus didn't pick the the best looking, the most talented, the best educated, or the most likely to succeed. Jesus chose ordinary, sinful human beings who were on the margins of society, just like you and me. In our first story, he chose some smelly fishermen to go to the four corners of the world to share love. I mean, from anyone's standards, these guys should not have been the ones that Jesus chose. But Jesus saw what they could be like, and he saw grander vision in them. He looked at their self-centeredness, and he says, I can see them serving. He looked at their rebelliousness, and he said, I think they could be righteous. He said, I look at their quick temper, but I could actually see potential for them to build the kingdom. He always saw potential in people, even though they had a past. One of those people that he saw potential in was me. As a very young kid, I had anger issues. When something didn't go my way, I would throw something. When something didn't go my way, I would run out the back of the house and run away from my dad. He was too slow to catch me, so I just kept running. And he would have Billy the Belt waving it, you know, but he couldn't, he couldn't quite catch me. But when I'd get angry, I just didn't know how to control or to manage my anger. And when I got to college, you'd, you'd think, well, well, now he's able to do that, and it still didn't happen. And then I got married and became a pastor. You would think that now that I'm a pastor that I would have... My anger managed, right? Wrong. And I can remember times yelling, throwing things, getting upset with Jennifer, treating her in ways that a wife should never be treated. Taking hamburger one day and just throwing it across the wall and having it be all over the place. And then thinking... Like my mom, she would clean it up, and then I came home, and it wasn't cleaned up. And then I would say things or do things, and it just was bad. At that point in my life, up until my mid-20s, 
If anyone were to look what was going on on the inside and my lack of control, they would be like, he has no potential whatsoever to ever start a church. But God saw potential when no one else did. And after I got some counseling and some accountability and a lot of prayer from other people, my anger got managed. And when we started the church with just six people, many people would have looked and said, there's no way. But God saw potential and the potential was changing to where you're sitting here today because he saw potential in someone who had an anger issue. And that's just one area of my life. There are many areas of my life that God has seen potential when the rest of the world would say no. He did. Is that true for you? Is that true for you that God saw potential in your life even when no one else did? Folks, the reality is every single person needs to be shaped and recrafted to be able to use a life that is going to be a grander vision type of life. So as you're reaching out to people, let God work in their lives instead of you suiting up and being the lifestyle referee of what you think their behavior should be. You see, one of the things that affects Christ followers more than anything else is after 18 months, they're not as successful because they become judgmental. And they start being the referee of morality. Tee them up, baby. Tee them up. And the rest of the world goes away. And some of them are going to hell. Because you want to be the lifestyle referee. You see, folks, people matter. And sometimes we have to be more patient because God sees potential in them that you don't see. And the reality is God saw potential in you when you were messed up, when you had flubbed up, when you had screwed up in life. And he saw potential in you. And you must do the same with other people. You make them a priority. You see potential in people. And then finally, what can I do to live this life? Like practically, bunch, what are you telling me? That's good, priority for people. But what can I actually do? And this is going to be very elementary. I know that you're much smarter than I am, but I'm going to give it as elementary as I can. And here it is. It's this. Start small, but start. If you're an introvert, extrovert, If you like people, don't like people, it doesn't matter. If you choose Christ as the Lord of your life, you've got to start taking small walks across rooms, factory floors, office floors to reach out to other people. You just leave your circle of comfort and you go into the zone of the unknown. You walk across a room, an office, a street, and you develop friendships with people. You see, the reality is... Christianity is not just for you to come on Sunday and to get fed and go, oh man, I feel so much better. My life was crappy this week and whew, feel good. Woo! <laughs> Have a whole nother week. Life gets difficult. Come back on Sunday. Man, I'm feeling good. The whole point of the Christian faith, folks, is for you to get out of that seat and walk across rooms. 
So let me ask you this morning, what are a couple things you could do this week to live a grander vision kind of life? A few years ago, a guy by the name of Kent and the love of his life, Diane, came to church for the very first Sunday. They sat right over in this section. I'll never forget because I had not seen him and it was in the first celebration. And they were sitting right over there. And do you know why they came? Because they had a friend that went to their house and walked up their driveway and invited them and say, hey, would you go to church to, uh, with us? And they said yes. And so Kent and Diane, they kept coming week after week after week after week. And they started growing in unbelievable ways and getting closer to Christ. They joined a small group. Their life had really changed. It was changing in unbelievable ways. But then a storm hit their life. And Diane was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Three to four months to live. And their small group came around them and loved them through that period. And Diane fought the good fight as hard as she could. But on May 2nd of this year, she died. And I officiated at her funeral. And my biggest concern in that moment was for Kent. Because when people come to Christ as quickly as they did, typically one of two things happen. Either one, they totally turn their back on God and say, God must not have been the one that said he was going to care for me, or he wouldn't have let the love of my life die. Or they grow closer to Christ in ways that you wouldn't believe. And luckily for Kent, and luckily for our church family, Kent grew closer and closer and closer to Christ. He came, the funeral was on Friday, he came on Sunday morning, which anyone would have been like, oh, it's okay for you not to come. I mean, you just buried the love of your life, and it's okay. And he was here, and he was sitting right here, right in that area, and all of his family he brought to church. And he kept coming. And after that Sunday, he comes up to me. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, oh, you know, it's tough, but how can I serve? I was like, well, Kent, you know, you, I mean, you're going through some grief. I understand you might. No, no, no. How can I serve? I was like, you really want to know? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, we need help with setup. He's like, all right, I'll be here next week. So he showed up the next week and then he said, hey, whenever you need my help, I'll do that. And he got involved in this small group. And then he decided, hey, I want this Jesus thing to be full in me. And so he took the baptism class, and this August I baptized him. We have a picture of him being baptized. And this is what was so cool. He's like, I'm getting baptized. My brother needs to get baptized. So he got his brother to get baptized on that day. He's standing right there beside him. Both of them get baptized. He decided, well, I want to be a member here. Do you have membership? I said, well, we call it partners. He said, I'll take the class. Took the class, showed up. Now he's a partner of the jar. And a few weeks ago, he came up to me. He goes, hey, I got kind of this crazy idea. It's kind of an out-of-the-box kind of idea. I don't know, but this is what I'm thinking. He said, I walked across the street to a neighbor of mine, and she is a uh, race car enthusiast. And one of the things about me is that I do racing simulators for racetracks, and I go around to all these different racetracks, and... uh, 
we have the racing simulator that they can do, and that's how I make part of my living. I said, oh, that's cool. And he's like, yeah. And he said, uh, this woman that I talked to, she wants to race a car. She said, I've never raced a car. I want to race a car. And he said, I just had this idea. We need to have a jar car. And I was like, okay, Lord, help me now, because this sounds bad, you know. People come up to me all the time with these great ideas, you know. You think they're so great, but then I have to, like, make sure they happen and people don't leave the church. You know, that kind of thing. I'm like, a jar car. He's like, yeah. And I said, all right, man. I said, just go for it. And this is what he did. He reached out to all of his friends who were disconnected from Christ's church. Some of them were Christians, but... Some of them weren't. And they all got together and they started working on this car. They started bringing different parts. They worked on it. He started having spiritual conversations with them, talking. I mean, it's a jar, It's a church car. So started talking about Christ Church, all this kind of stuff. They worked on it for several weeks. And here's what they came up with. Now, isn't that cool? <laughs> now, this is what's going to happen on October 22nd. We're going to have the jar car out front as people are walking in. So all of your friends who are NASCAR enthusiasts, and they're like, I wouldn't go to church if you paid me, man. Dude, we got a car. Okay, I'll be there. Now, don't tell them that. Just tell them, hey, we got this cool car, man. It's like a jar car. What's the jar? Oh, man, it's, I don't know, a bunch of messed up people I heard, you know. <laughs> Just come along with me. And we're going to have that car there, and any of the kids that are in jar kids, they're going to be able to come down, sit in the car, or any other kids that want to, sit in the car. We're going to take pictures of them. Now, any of you adults that want to get in the car, 10 bucks, bring it to me. <laughs> Just joking. But we're going to do this. Now, all of this started, folks. Kent, in one of the darkest moments of his life, he takes a walk to connect with someone, and then they build a car. Now, here's my question to you this morning. What about you? What are you doing To live a grander lifestyle. Now, you don't have to go build a car. I mean, like I don't know anything about cars. I don't know the difference between a right and left-handed, you know, screwdriver. I know nothing whatsoever. But you could start small and you could do something. And here's some of the things that I was just thinking of you might want to do. You notice the last two things. There's not a blank in there for you to fill. You have to decide what that is yourself. So what are a couple of things you might do in a grander lifestyle? First of all, maybe it's to take a coworker out to lunch. Maybe it's to offer to watch your kid's friends. Maybe it's to walk across the room and invite a neighbor or walk across the street and invite a neighbor over for dinner. Maybe it is to walk across the factory floor and invite them to come on October 22nd to see the jar car. 
all of us could do what we talked about in the very beginning with Facebook. You could go to Facebook and you could share that. That doesn't cost you anything. You could personally send that out to your friends and, and do it the next weeks leading up to, of it, to, to that. All of us could do that. For me, I was asking, God, what do you want me to do? And so last week, one of the things I did, I got some candy together. And I went to Subway where I go two or three times. And I went to each of the workers there and I gave them some candy. And one of them wasn't working that day. And they were like, he got candy for us. He must not like you, you know. And there's like this playful banner going on. And I'm going to continue to do that leading up to inviting them on the 22nd. Folks, I don't know what it is that you need to do to live a grander type of lifestyle, but this is what I'm going to ask you to do right now. Write down two things. Just two things. It could be one of these things on the list if you want, and we'll give you some mood music for you to do that. So take out a pen, write down a couple of things that you could do. Start small, but start. Don't just sit there. Start. Not be served. I know, I know, I know, I know. one if you pick take candy to workers at subway don't go to the downtown one okay that that's where i'm at you got to figure out your own subway okay don't don't be trying to take mine all right you figure out what it is but do something and start hey last kind of slide before we're done um i'm going to to see i'd like you to just look at the red one real quick and just tell me when you look through the red one, what is the word that you see on the screen? What's the word? Just through the red one, what is it? The word is temporary. Now this is what I want to say. You can take your glasses off now. You look goofy. No, I'm joking. I look. Everything in life is temporary, folks. Everything in life is temporary. Your house, your car... Your 401k, your bank account, your business, your physical body, everything is temporary except one thing, and that's people. The only thing that we know for sure will be on the other side of heaven is people. Everything else is temporary, and you get the opportunity, starting today, to not sit on the sidelines. You know, Peyton's number is being retired today. It's a whole big thing down in Indianapolis. Peyton Manning, for whatever he was or wasn't, he didn't sit on the sidelines. He got into the game, and the question is now, will you get in the game, or are you just going to continue to think, well, life isn't temporary. This thing's going to last forever. It will not, folks. If anything showed us about Las Vegas, it's this, that life is temporary. 
But people that you invest in may have an eternity that is different from where they're at right now because you prioritize them and you saw potential in them. Folks, God is a God of people. And he's the God of greater things. He wants greater things in your life. He wants greater things in your family. He wants greater things in this church. He wants greater things in our community. He wants greater things in this city called Muncie. And he's crying out to anyone who would listen to him. Will you walk across rooms for me? Will you walk across offices for me? Will you walk across factory floors? Will you walk across streets? Will you walk? And the question is, will you? Because he is the God of greater things, and he has greater things for our city if we choose to walk. Let's stand as we sing. You're the God of this city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation You are You're the light in this darkness You're the hope to the hopeless You're the peace to the restless You are There is no one like our God team to come up. Uh, If you'd like prayer for anything, they'll be on the side screens. They would love to pray with you. And I was thinking today that as we talked about people and how important people are to God, that people matter to God, that you might be sitting there and going, I matter to God. But maybe you've never made things right with God before. Maybe you thought before today that this life was going to be permanent, but today you finally realize it is temporary. It is. And if I want to have a right relationship with God and a home in heaven, I need to receive him into my life. That I want to receive his forgiveness, his love, his grace, his second chance 
so that I could have a home in heaven. And if today is your day, back in the left-hand corner, uh, Tom Truesdale's back there. And if you want to accept Christ today, if you want to say, I want Jesus in my life, then go back there and make that happen. He'd love to pray with you, give you a free Bible. It won't take forever, but just a couple of minutes to do that. And so right after this, if you'll go back there, that'd be great. And uh, if you're new to the jar and I haven't had a chance to meet you, uh, First Steps with Chris is right after this. It's right through the hallway where you got the donuts and the jar cafe. I would love to meet you and connect with you. So let's close in prayer. Well, God, we thank you so much for what you did in this place today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that has moved to let us know that you love us, that you care for us, that we matter to you, that we're a priority to you, and that you are calling us to make people a priority. And so, God, would you help us to carry out your grand vision, to see potential in people who may not see it. Maybe it's a coworker that we could see their face right now, that if someone just believed in them, their life might change. Or a neighbor who's hurting. Or a friend who we share everything with, but we've never shared the most important thing. So help us, God, to be a church that will never forget this series of what it means to walk this way, to walk across rooms and to extend hands of friendship and love. God, open up doors of conversations as we take these walks so that your name would be made great. And as we do that, remind us, God, that you're head over heels in love with us as we take risks so that your name would be made great. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everybody, have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. Thanks, guys.